Stress, unfortunately, is making us stupid, sick, and slow. If we really understood just how much time stress is costing us, then we would never ever submit to the fallacy that I'm too busy to meditate. We meditate to get good at life, not to get good at meditation. Welcome to Why Isn't Everyone Doing This? I'm Emily Fletcher and I believe that bliss is your birthright. That's why I'm calling on my world-class network to uncover the most potent, spine-tingling, even taboo healing modalities, all so you can reclaim your bliss. Let's do this. Hi, sweet friends, and welcome back to Why Isn't Everyone Doing This? Today is a really special episode because our guest today is you. Our guest today is a compilation of questions from listeners, from fans of the show who have videoed in, who have called in, asking all different types of questions. And today, our subject is all about meditation. As you likely know by now, twice in my life, I have had this feeling of like, oh my gosh, this thing is so good. Why isn't everyone doing this? And the first time I felt that was very much around meditation, so much so that I've spent the last 13 years of my life dedicating to making this powerful modality accessible and attractive to a mainstream audience. And honestly, one of my favorite things in the world is to be asked questions because it gives me an opportunity to really plug into that collective consciousness, to plug into this ancient Vedic knowledge that I've been studying for 16 years and let it flow through inspired by the state of consciousness and inspired by the worthy inquiry of the listeners. So big shout out to all of you who have submitted questions. I'm really excited to explore this new format. So if you would like to get your question answered, you can go to zivameditation.com ask, and we'll put that link in the show notes. So our first question today is from the lovely Mirabelle. Hi, Emily. This is Mirabelle Fernandez calling in from New York City. I have been um, following you since 2019 and read your back, your book, Stress Less, Accomplish More. It's been amazing, you know, reaping the benefits of Ziva. You know, my question is how to get back into it after you've fallen off of the wagon following a traumatic event. I lost my mother, brother, and niece within two weeks of each other in August 2020. Unfortunately, recently lost my father in September 2022. Um, so these tragedies have really derailed me. I don't know if I should just start again, like maybe doing the classes again or what. But um, I mean, that's the first part of my question. I guess the second part is how much of it has to do with like fear. I know it was always my worst fear to lose my parents and they're gone now and just you know, is it even possible to have to be in a certain mental state to really do well with Ziva? It's just been hard. And I I'm definitely want to go back, but just hearing anything that you have to say that could be helpful for people in my situation. That would be great. Thank you. <sighs> so Maribel, thank you so much for this question. Thank you for sharing your heart with us. And I just want to take a moment to really honor and witness the bigness of the grief, losing your mother, your brother, and your niece all within two weeks of each other, and then losing your father. When you said your biggest fear was to lose your parents, like this is not 
a small tragedy. This is not a small life event. And so I just want to let you know that you're not alone and that my heart and the hearts of this whole community are holding you up and hopefully buttressing you energetically as you move through this grief. And so no matter how many new modalities I experience, no matter how long I've been meditating, I keep coming back to this core central truth, which is that we have to feel our feelings. We have to feel our feelings. They just want to be felt. They just want to be witnessed. And I think that unfortunately, a lot of people come to meditation as an anesthetic. They come to meditation as a numbing tool or because someone somewhere told them that it was going to help them clear their mind. And when we go into spaces and times of deep grief and deep pain, obviously there's going to be a piece of you that wants relief from that, that wants relief from the pain, but actually Ziva works in the exact opposite direction. This is not a relaxing tool. This is not an anesthetic. Ziva is a catharsis tool, right? It's going to wring you out and it's going to purge this grief, it's going to purge the pain from the cells. Like one of the things that I always, you know, am celebrating Ziva for is that it's not just healing your stress from today, but it's systematically getting rid of all of the stress in your cells from the past. And so here's the thing, if you are in a moment of crisis, if you're in a moment of mourning, it's actually not a great time to do deep cleaning from the past. So I just want to really acknowledge you and I want to celebrate your intuition because it sounds like you said you fell off the wagon, but you didn't fall off the wagon. Your body has innate wisdom in it and your body knew that if you kept meditating while you were moving through this grief, that it might've been too much because the meditation is going to make you feel, the meditation is going to wring you out, right? And it doesn't care or know that you're grieving and it will not only handle the grief from today, but also start cleaning out the stress from the past. And usually that's going to be too much for most of us. Now, some people really... Um, enjoy their meditation as they're moving through grief because it feels like a salve, it feels like a balm, it feels like a way to connect to the unseen and a way to connect to someone or something after they've passed. But for a lot of us, we just need to take a pause. So I actually want to give you full permission to take a pause on your Ziva practice, to use that time and use that space to mourn, to grieve. Grieving is a full-time job. There are some cultures that sit Shiva. There are some cultures that pause everything and come together and their only job is to grieve. And I feel like we do a horrible job in our society for making space to really celebrate and honor the transition of a life. And so you've had not one death, but four of people that were very intimately close to you. And so my recommendation would be to reach out to your community. If you have access to therapy, this would be a great time for therapy. If you have access to journaling, sleeping, body work, these are all really great modalities. Almost think about like a bath or massage, anything that's going to put a bit of physical pressure on the body to help you to purge and to release some of that extraordinary grief and, and sadness. And then probably just before you're ready, right? Like there's going to be a day where it starts to be like, oh, is it time for me to start meditating? And you might not feel 100% ready, but when you're 90% ready, that's when I would recommend that you start back and go slow, okay? Maybe start with 10 minutes twice a day and then build up to 15 minutes twice a day. If you've done Ziva online, if you've done Ziva live, then you can go fully to 20 minutes twice a day. Um, but it's best to start with the twice a day, but not full out because we don't want the unstressing to be too far too fast. So in short, 
you're not, you haven't fallen off the wagon. You're trusting your body's intuition. And that is to pause and to grieve. And then just before you feel like you're fully ready, because the reality is that day is never going to come, right? You will likely be grieving and processing to some degree for the rest of your life. And there's always going to be resistance to healthy habits. But when you feel like you're 90% ready to start back, go ahead and start with twice a day. And I would recommend starting with 10 minutes twice a day and then working your way up to either 15 or 20. But again, please know that myself, the Ziva team, and this whole community is wrapping you in love so that you feel safe and surrendered enough to feel the bigness of these feelings. Okay, we're going to take our next question from Chiara. Hi, Emily. My name is Chiara Visconti, and I've been a Ziva meditator for about a month and a half. I have been enjoying it immensely. And my question to you is that ever since the Ziva online program that we did, I found my meditation has become very messy, if that's the right word. I feel when I sit for my 20 minutes, it's kind of erratic and dysfunctional and Sometimes I'll notice a fast heartbeat, not all the time, but it's not at all anymore a little bit of a serene uh, experience. And while it wasn't always serene in the beginning, it was certainly more than it is now, which is just messy, for lack of a better word. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. And um, also, I wonder if... The new mantra has something to do with it. I still don't think I have a great feel for it. I don't love it, um, but I do my best. Thank you. Okay, so I love this question from Kiara, where she's talking about how her meditations have become messy and that they're not as serene as they used to be in the beginning. And this is such a beautiful question because so many of us, even without being conscious of it, come to meditation looking for a reprieve, looking for a way to unplug, as a way to relax. And look, if you just want 20 minutes of relaxing, you could smoke pot or get a massage, or there's plenty of things to do that are simply relaxation tools. Whereas Ziva is handling not only your stress from today, but all of the stress from your past. And where that can feel discombobulating or dysregulating or disconcerting when you're in the practice itself, is that if you have an expectation that it should be chill, that it should be relaxing, and instead your body is using that time to excavate and exercise 40 years of trauma and stress and anxiety and rage and sickness, then it's going to feel like you're doing something wrong. But if you go into the practice knowing that it's actually a catharsis tool, then you can celebrate it and you can really live one of our theme songs, which is better out than in better out than in. Like if you go into a medicine ceremony, anyone who's done ayahuasca will tell you first many hours of it is purging, right? You got to barf out all the stuff that is clogging your channel so that you can be an open vessel. And similarly, meditation is purifying your nervous system. And so any accelerated heart rate, any sort of like erratic thoughts during it, rather than thinking of like, oh, this is keeping me from the serenity that I should be experiencing in the chair, Rather, let's reframe that as, oh, the practice is purifying my physiology and allowing me to be an open vessel so that I can receive the infinite abundance and blessings that are available to me all of the time. 
So that's the first part. Now, Kiara also mentioned having a new mantra. So for those of you who are new to me and Ziva, this term mantra, let's define it. So mantra is a Sanskrit word. Man means mind and trut means vehicle. So mantras are actually mind vehicles. And the ones we use at Ziva, in Ziva Online, which is our most popular training, these mantras have meanings. And when you know the meaning of a mantra, it keeps you more in your left brain, more in your cognitive state. And so for that reason, these mantras are gentler than what Kiara did, which I'm assuming is Ziva Live, which is a live training training with me either in person or on Zoom and she got a personalized mantra. Now when you do Ziva Live, the mantras that you receive are meaningless primordial sounds and these mantras do not have a meaning. And interestingly, when the sound is not attached to a meaning, it it allows the mind vehicle to be a more effective transportation device from your left brain into your right, from the waking state of thinking down in these subtle states of being. And so it sounds like she got a new mantra and she's not feeling totally in love with it. But my hypothesis, Kiara, is that actually what you're not in love with is the feeling of catharsis, the feeling of purge, the feeling of that stuff leaving the body. And because the mantra is more powerful, you're assigning the discomfort of the purge or what I call unstressing to this new mantra. So hopefully this reframe is going to help you to celebrate the catharsis instead of judging it as something that is wrong or bad. Now, just to elaborate a little bit further on the differences between the mantras of Ziva Online and Ziva Live, um, there is a beautiful branch of science called cymatics. C-Y-M-A-T-I-C-S, cymatics. And cymatics is the science of sound. And there's beautiful YouTube videos on this where you can see scientists and they have a sheet of metal and they pour a blob of sound on it and then they, they play the sheet of metal with a violin bow at a certain frequency and that blob of sound starts to make sacred geometrical shapes and patterns. Or they'll play music at a certain frequency and again, that blob of sound starts to make like yantras and sacred geometry. And, and so why is that happening? Because everything has frequency. Sound certainly has frequency. And because our bodies are somewhere between 70 and 90% water, when you start to utilize this mantra, which has a frequency to it, it starts to create order in the body. And when you create order in the body, that is the mechanism by which this lifetime of accumulated stress can start to come up and out. And now here's the thing, you don't have to understand any of that for meditation to work, but for those of us who are very intellectual or for those of us who have been trained to be avoidant with our feelings and the mind is looking for an escape hatch to get out of meditation because secretly we just don't want to feel, sometimes simply intellectually understanding what is happening, that is actually the de-excitation of the nervous system that allows for this deep healing of stress from our past, allows us to celebrate it versus feeling like we're doing something wrong. So Kiara, I'm cheering you on. I'm giving you permission to be a messy, messy meditator. And my suggestion would be that your marker and gauge for success is not what is happening in the chair, not how messy is my meditation in the chair, but rather how was I feeling and performing the day before I started versus how am I feeling and performing 30 minutes after the meditation? Because I actually don't care if you enjoy the practice, right? We meditate to get good at life, not to get good at meditation. And it sounds like you are getting better at life. Okay, so our next question is from Sunnyside Sue. <laughs> Love that. Hi, Emily. This Hi. is Sunnyside Sue, and I'd like to thank you so much for your Ziva meditation, which I learned during the pandemic and became a very consistent twice-a-day meditator. However, I found that since life has returned to normal with travel and entertaining people and busy afternoons, I'm finding it really uh, 
challenging to fit in that afternoon meditation consistently. I know when I do, my resting pulse goes down to 46, which is great. Um, but I've really, uh, I've tried a few strategies, but I would love any ideas you have for um, helping me fit that afternoon meditation in more consistently as my morning one does happen every day before I get out of bed. When I'm sitting up in bed, I meditate and then I get up and get on with my day. But the afternoon one, uh, as I'm up and active, so much more challenging. Anyway, thank you so much. And I really appreciate all that you've done for the world. Aww. Sunnyside Sue, thank you so much for asking this very common question. If I had a dollar for every time someone asked me for support in doing their second meditation, I would be a very rich woman. Um, so here's the thing. If we really understood just how much time stress is costing us, then we would never, ever submit to the fallacy that I'm too busy to meditate. Because stress, unfortunately, is making us stupid, sick, and slow. And you know this, like you said, when I do it, when I do my second one, I feel better. Guess what? People who feel better are happier. People who are happier are smarter. People who feel better are healthier. People who feel better get hired for jobs more, are better in their relationships, are better parents, are more intuitive. And so there's all of these intangible benefits to feeling better. And yet we've become so addicted to being busy in our society. We've put so much of our self-worth in the doing that we've really forgotten about the being. And I know that you know this intellectually, I'm just trying to really drive home the philosophical point so that when I give you the tactical tools, you have like that inspiration in your heart to really execute on the tactical tools. But if you don't at the end of the day believe that this meditation practice is giving you more time and making you more productive and making you better at your life, then it doesn't matter how many tools I give you to do the second meditation. So we got to start there. We have to start with remembering that stress is making us stupid, sick, and slow. And that actually, if we invest just a few minutes into the second meditation, it's not 2x better it's actually exponentially better. The return on investment becomes exponentially higher because once a day meditation is only like calories in and calories out. We're picking up stress and then we're burning off that same stress. But if we do twice a day, then the first meditation is burning off all the new stress that we're picking up and the second meditation is handling and helping us to get rid of all the stress from our past, which is ultimately the thing that ushers us into higher states of consciousness and ultimately the thing that is going to help us to perform better, to feel better, to sleep better, to have better sex, to reverse our body age, to improve our immune system, to improve our brain elasticity and skin elasticity. But we don't get the full range of benefits if we're just doing once a day. So those that's my soapbox pitch for why it's so important to do it twice a day. Now I'm going to give you some tactics for how to make it happen. Now, I don't know about you, Sue, but for me, if it is not on my calendar, it's basically not getting done. I live and die by my calendar. So I have to actually put it on my schedule. And, you know, just like you would a dentist appointment or a lunch with your best friend, put it on your calendar. Now you could move it to, if you had it on your calendar for 2.30, you could move it to 2 or 3 or 4. She's not going to be mad if you move the appointment, but don't stand her up. Okay, don't ghost your meditation appointment. It's like we make the commitment to ourselves, we make the promise to ourselves and we keep it because we respect ourselves, right? Marie Forleo says, if you want to be, if you want to be respected, keep your promises to other people. If you want to be successful, keep your promises to yourself. 
because then we are in deep integrity with ourselves. And if we are in integrity with ourselves, then we start to be in integrity with everyone else. So the ripple effect of you making this promise and keeping it, the psychological benefits alone, that's to say nothing of the actual neurochemical and neurobiological benefits of twice a day is almost limitless. So schedule it. And then the other thing you can do is get a buddy. We recommend in the Ziva community that people find out and actually get an accountability buddy. You're 95% more likely to commit to a healthy habit if you have a buddy and a time to check in. I'm going to repeat that. You're 95% more likely to commit to a healthy habit if you have some accountability and a regular time to check in. And so you could use your partner. You could use your dog, your, not your dog, but you could use your kid. You could use your best friend and they don't have to have the same challenge. Maybe they're doing, um, I'm going to walk every day for 20 minutes or I'm going to read a chapter of a book every day, but you just check in and make sure that you're staying in integrity to the promise that you're making to yourself. And then I recommend making it interesting with a little bet, right? Like whoever goes the longest without missing one day owes the other one dinner or owes the other one a foot massage or something like that, but have some fun with it. Um, don't take it too seriously, but understand spiritually, emotionally, and physically why it's so important to commit to that second meditation. So our next question is from Bill. Yeah. Hi, Emily. I've been a Ziva meditator for going on two years now, and I am a, a Ziva Live graduate. Professionally, I am a sales executive, a technology sales executive. How do I reveal my practice to colleagues and perhaps recommend it to some of them, but not sound as though I'm someone who's chasing fads? And also, Kind of reinforcing with them, particularly if they jump into the podcast and your first show has psychedelics and BDSM, is just to let them know that, hey, psychedelics and uh, the sex stuff, it's not a requirement for the practice. <gasps> oh, Bill, I love this question so much. And I want to celebrate you for being a beacon of this work. You know, we have that in common. Like you found something and it's helping to make your life better and you want to share it with other people. I have been like this my whole life. I've been an early adopter. I have the great fortune of finding something and then I want to shout it from the rooftops. Like I really do believe like why isn't everyone doing this? And so truly I am celebrating you for wanting to communicate this in a way and meet people where they are so that you don't create unnecessary boundaries. You don't create unnecessary barriers. And so it Admittedly, I know that this podcast is pushing the envelope. I know that this podcast is starting to walk up to the edge of a lot of people's construct of what is acceptable or what is quote unquote normal. And so some of this might be too much too fast. And so I want to celebrate and honor your instincts in that. And if you think that this podcast is not the, the best thing to share with your colleagues and listen to that, um, I did write a whole book called Stress Less, Accomplish More that sounds like it's much more geared to your colleagues because stress less, accomplish more. We're not talking about anything woo-woo, right? And it's basically the science behind why we want to meditate. The first seven chapters are actually the science behind what I consider to be the selfish reasons why anyone would want to meditate. There's a whole chapter on reversing your body age. There's a chapter on how this thing can help you have better sex. There's a chapter on how it can improve your productivity. Um, there's 
a whole chapter on how we can be in flow state. And then I teach a technique in the book. And then part three of the book is basically looking at the ripple effect of this, of how you purifying your own physiology, you tapping into that collective consciousness twice a day and getting your nervous system out of fight or flight and into stay and play, how that's going to improve your family, your coworkers, your community, and then ultimately, hopefully the species. So I, again, just celebrating you for meeting people where they are, because if you try to give someone too much information or answer a question that they have not asked, then I find that you get punished, right? Like you don't want to try and pour an ocean into something the size of a thimble because one, you're wasting your time and two, you're then highlighting what can then feel like a lack of capacity for that person, which is not going to inspire more inquiry. But if someone asks hey, what kind of meditation do you do? And you're like, oh, it's it's Ziva meditation and, and it's really easy. It's almost lazy. Like I'm, I just sit in a chair. It just takes a few minutes twice a day. And then I find that the most powerful thing for you to share is your experience, your transformation. Why is it that you even want to bring this tool to your colleagues? What is it in you that has shifted, that has made this something that you'd be willing to be vulnerable about. And if you share that experience, no one can argue with that. If it's like, oh, I used to have insomnia. I started doing this meditation thing and now my insomnia is gone. Or, you know, I used to have IBS or I used to bite my nails or I used to drink more than I wanted to. And the meditation has really helped me to act in alignment with what I believe and what I know to be true. Then no one can can argue with that. And I think that, you know, I started teaching this stuff about 13 years ago, started meditating 16 years ago, and meditation was legitimately weird then. Um, you know, my ex-husband would not introduce me at dinner parties as a meditation teacher because he thought it was too woo-woo. Then as the zeitgeist and as culture started to shift, he wouldn't introduce me as a meditation teacher because he knew he would never see me again for the rest of the night because it became so popular. So I think if you're speaking to people under 40, they almost don't remember a time that meditation was weird because that's how much the zeitgeist has changed. So I think with anything you want to this is essentially like a mini sales pitch, right? And so with sales, you always want to get into what is the need of the person that I'm speaking to. And so that would be my first assignment to you is to really tune your heart and tune your mind to the frequency of the person that you're speaking to and just ask them, you know, how are you feeling? What is it that you would love? Is there anything that you're moving towards right now? And then if it's true for you and if you feel like it's true that meditation could help them, then you could speak to that. And I've also found that with the most skeptical folks, generally generally mentioning that the Navy SEALs meditate, like before they go into combat, right before they're on a mission and then afterwards sometimes will help um, super alpha bros to be like, oh, if the SEALs are doing it, I'm going to do it too. <laughs> but it just depends on who you're talking to. But truly, thank you so much for celebrating this. And then for everyone... I want to just absolve anyone of being evangelical about meditation. Like we do not have to go door to door and be like, hey, have you heard the good word of Ziva meditation? It doesn't work that way. The best thing we could do is clean our own house, get into such coherence, purify our own nervous system so that we are radiating, so that we feel and act as this bright, shiny, joyous, blissful light. And that frequency, you plugged into the divine, you in coherence with yourself, that will inspire worthy inquiry and in other people. And they will start to ask you, hey, Bill, why are you so great at your job? Hey, we just went through this huge reorganization and you seem cool as a cucumber. Hey, wow, that presentation was amazing. What's your secret? 
And so the better we perform, the brighter we shine, then we inspire worthy inquiry in the people around us. And worthy inquiry basically is, does this person want to learn about this subject and are they willing to surrender something to receive the information? And what they might be having to surrender is their time or their attention or some amount of their resources, but there usually wants to be some sort of an exchange in order to make an investment in learning a tool as valuable and as life-changing as this one. So thank you for this awesome question, and I hope that it helps all of us to be better equipped to share with ease and grace and intuition about this beautiful life-changing practice. All right, sweet friends, thank you so much for all of these meditation questions. There will certainly be more meditation episodes. So if you want your question asked on air by myself or maybe even by some of our amazing guests, you can submit your question to zivameditation.com slash ask. And if you are hungry for some more bonus content, for some more of the behind the scenes, the how of these amazing thises that we talk about on the show, you can go to zivameditation.com slash why this, and you're going to get bonus content, mini masterclasses from so many of our amazing guests. So thank you so much for tuning in. I am Emily Fletcher and our mission here at Why Isn't Everyone Doing This is to help you find the why and the this that will help you find your bliss. And if there is someone in your life that could use a little bit more bliss, I would be so grateful if you will follow the show, rate the show, and maybe even share it on social. That way we are going to get this beautiful message into the hands of the people who need it the most. So thank you so much and I will see you on the next episode. I cannot say it enough. I believe that bliss is your birthright. And the only thing keeping us from 24 hour a day bliss is stress. And so now I want to ask you, what do you think happens if a whole group of people who all believe that bliss is our birthright come together to meditate and pray and eradicate the stress from our bodies? Well, let's find out because about every month I do something called a bliss activation and you are invited to join me and thousands of like-minded people all around the globe for our next bliss activation. We will meditate. We will answer questions. We will do hot seat coaching. We will breathe. We will put our attention on that which we want to grow, which is our bliss and yes, the bliss of the collective. So if this sounds like it is right up your alley, go to zivameditation.com slash activate. That is Z-I-V-A meditation.com slash activate. Join me and amazing like-minded people from around the world to activate the bliss that is your birthright. And this is totally free. This is my gift to you. Go to zivameditation.com slash activate.